Finances can be complicated, but they don't have to be. I break down financial topics that may seem complex and overwhelming so you can start taking action on your financial goals. I'm Ari Talbot, and it all starts here on Personal Finance Redefined. Welcome back to another episode of the Personal Finance Redefined podcast. And if you have a question that you want answered on a future episode, please let me know by submitting it on my website, personalfinanceredefined.co. You can also find any show notes, any links, any references that I make during the show on my website. So thank you for supporting the show and thank you for sharing it. So today's episode is about life insurance, not necessarily the sexiest thing to talk about. But what I do like talking about with life insurance can often be things to avoid, meaning are there certain types of life insurance policies that are worth avoiding? And it all, as everything with finance, it just depends. And so the first question I want to ask and answer both (laughs) right off the bat, do you need life insurance? And there's one very, very easy way to calculate that. And you're not running a quote, you're not going to a broker, nothing like that. The question is, would your death financially impact the people in your life? If the answer is yes, then you should consider life insurance. Um, And so often, what tends to make the most sense, and there's so many articles about this, and everyone looks at it differently, and there's tax benefits and all these different things. So when really evaluating it, it is best to speak with a financial planner or an insurance specialist about this. But in general, what you should know is a life insurance is just a contract between you and an insurance company where you pay insurance premiums on a monthly or annual basis in exchange for the commitment that they are going to pay what's known as a death benefit to specific people or an organization if you die while that policy is in effect. The people who receive that benefit, could be your spouse, it could be kids, for example, they can use those money to cover the financial needs. Now, oftentimes it can make sense to get a million dollars or two million dollars of coverage or even more than that. It depends. What's the lifestyle? Is the spouse planning on working? Because at that point, you might not need so much of a policy. Or if their plan is to say, hey, I want to be able to fund my kid's college in 15 years, well, then it might make a whole lot sense to take out a bigger policy. It's just what you're doing with life insurance and which is odd, is you're hoping you never need it. So you're paying for something, but it's just insurance. You're paying for something you do not hope happens. So when viewing that, what I like to look at, first of all, there's a few different types of insurance. There's term, there's whole life, there's variable, there's universal. Let's just bring it back to term versus whole life. And the difference is with term, what you're doing is you are buying insurance for a set period of time and then it goes away. Think of whole life as the opposite. Now, with whole life, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. You might even receive a little bit more return for doing so. Now, oftentimes with whole life, I see people who get into the policy because they're sold on it, and then they determine that they could have made a whole lot more elsewhere should they invested those funds. So what I like to talk about is, first of all, what it means to be a fiduciary. And so what a fiduciary is, is it's someone who must legally act in the best interest of your clients. That's how I work, but it's not how everyone works. And it doesn't mean that they're they're worse or I'm better or I'm worse and they're better. All it means is it's different. So there's different standards 
standards. Meaning if there's a doctor out there or they're a lawyer and you're listening to this episode, you are likely held to a much higher standard of care than all financial professionals. And it's kind of crazy. The industry is like that. But the truth is that the financial industry is not all equal. There are people who operate under a suitability standard and people who operate under a fiduciary standard. And if you operate under a fiduciary standard, you must legally act in the best interest of your client. If you're under a suitability standard, like many registered representatives or insurance salesmen, what you are is you're selling a product, meaning you're receiving a commission or a kickback. So let's say John comes to Ari and says he needs life insurance, and Ari's a life insurance broker, and I sell John a policy, John is going to get a policy because I'm going to sell him one, and what's going to happen is I'm going to receive a commission or a kickback for that. Now, did John get the best policy? Who knows? The truth is nobody because he, Ari might have been telling John that the best policy is the one that paid Ari the most amount of money. So the truth is it might be good for John. Is it the best for John? Well, who knows? We'd have to compare with different brokers. But the answer is that because we don't know, it creates a conflict of interest. So what I tell people as a fiduciary is I don't sell life insurance. I don't sell any product. When people work with me, the only people that pay me are my clients and my clients only because it creates a conflict of interest. But it doesn't mean that my clients don't need life insurance. It often does make sense to have life insurance, but it often makes sense to have term life insurance because it's a much, much lower monthly amount and then you're able to use the rest of your funds to pay for your investments to grow. And when I say pay for that, I'm saying, let's say your options are, and this is just broad example, paying $10 a month for $100,000 of coverage, meaning if Ari were to pass away and I pay $10 a month, and that's for 20 years, so a policy of 20 years, if I pay that $10, so that $120 a year for 20 years, if I die at any point, my death benefit is $100,000 to whoever I choose. It could be to organization, child, spouse, whatever it is. Now, at the same time, if I chose whole life, rather than the $10 a month, maybe it's $200 a month. And maybe if I pass at any time, they also get the $100,000. But the difference is that I get to grow those funds and it can grow at a guaranteed rate, let's say, of 3 or 4%. So, which can sound really nice. People love the word guarantee when the reality is you most likely could get much higher investing in the stock market. And effectively, it doesn't seem like you're missing out on much, but it's the opportunity cost and the compounding that you're missing out on. So, oftentimes, term life insurance makes the most sense because it's just cheaper. Um, and it's not as if you're not getting great coverage. You often are. It's just you're not paying above and beyond. So there's many, many policies out there in different types. But the going back to why life insurance and when, um, if you die unexpectedly and your death would leave important people in your life on the hook, especially for debt or unable to pay bills or expensive costs, life insurance can be great for that. So let's review some of the scenarios where your death would most likely negatively affect other people financially, because oftentimes the last thing you want is to be more of a burden. So if someone were to inherit your debt, your debt doesn't simply disappear when you die. There are co-signers on a loan, there are joint owners, account holders, spouses in special community property states, which I can get into on another episode, um, but examples of those states are California and Texas. There are people tasked with settling your state's debt who didn't comply with probate laws, and those people would then be on the hook to pay your debt. 
Another reason where it would most likely negatively affect people is if you're building a life with a partner and that partner counts on your earnings to pay for things like household expenses, that loss of income could be devastating. Another one is if your children depend on your income, or maybe your heirs would owe estate taxes. So if your estate is large enough, your heirs could be subject to an estate tax upon death, and that's uh, once your estate tax is totally more than $11.7 million. Um, another one would be if your funeral would be a financial burden, and lastly, your business, the people it employs, it might otherwise fail. So once again, term life, and then there's whole life, which I discussed what about life insurance through work? That's a question I often get. You might be lucky enough that you'll receive life insurance through your employer, and that's known as group life insurance. If your employer offers this coverage for free as a benefit, there's little reason not to accept it. Even if the coverage isn't really as robust as you would like, you can always buy supplemental life insurance to go along with your group policy, which would increase the death benefit that would pay out upon your death. But you might want to do some shopping around, see what those policies look like, determine term versus whole life, and really speak with a professional because that's where you're going to be able to determine what's best for you. And that's it for today's episode. Not the sexiest, not necessarily the most fun, but still important. So that's life insurance. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Personal Finance Redefined podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know if there's anything in particular you would like me to discuss by submitting a question at personalfinanceredefined.co. That's personalfinanceredefined.co. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, quick disclaimer here. Please be smart about this, and before taking any action, consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It's for informational purposes only.